It was 2004, the day after Christmas. And thousands of Americans and Europeans had traveled to beaches in Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Thailand for some warmth and sun. 7.59 a.m., a, a 9.1 magnitude earthquake, one of the largest ever on record, ripped through the undersea fault in the Indian Ocean. The quake happened 31 miles beneath the ocean floor, caused by two heavy oceanic tectonic plates that move under the lighter continental plates. So you have the kind of the continental plates, and then you have these massive oceanic deep sub, sub, subfloor uh, plates that are underneath them. They instantly, at the quake, shoved and twisted the entire ocean floor 40 meters into the air. So just think of the ocean floor, the entire ocean floor just heaving in 10 minutes of unrelenting shaking from about here to here, just complete, uh, complete shaking and shoving upward. <clears throat> Lasted 10 minutes and in the shaking it launched a tsunami, tsunami waves that rose over 130 feet high speeding, get this, speeding at over 500 miles an hour. That's faster than a, our typical jet, commercial jet aircraft. The first hit Sumatra 20 minutes later, hit Thailand an hour and a half later, and then stunningly hit South Africa later, several hours later, catching unsuspecting beachgoers by surprise. Cities were flattened. The sound of the shaking was not recorded because the quake happened in the middle of nowhere. But it would have been split ears, literally, and shell-shocked the hearers like continuous bombs going off. The quake even caused a shift in the Earth's mass that changed the planet's rotation. Slightly, not massively, but slightly. Otherwise, we'd all be fried right now. This quake was truly, quote, a shaking in the heart of the sea that made it feel for those who experienced it like the entire created order was shaking apart. Fear grips and paralyzes people amid such a, a terrifying experience. Well, we have not experienced a literal tsunami in the last two years, but we have experienced some very stunning, heartbreaking, mind-numbing tsunamis of our own, if you will, figuratively, that have left our nation and have left our church badly shaken, that have made it feel like the world's falling apart. Mm. Name them. What are some of the things that have happened the past two years? State the obvious. What's that? COVID. We're, we're sick of that word, right? So done. What's that? What's that? That's right. Yeah, we went through a split, didn't we? Dave, Dave left and resigned, and uh, later uh, another church was formed, uh, and half our, half our people were gone. Yeah, ouch. What else? Miss Margaret died. Somebody very special to us. Church closing around the country. No, that's right. We're not the only ones that have experienced the split or struggles. 
several pastors out of work right now. And with COVID came, whether to vaccinate or not vaccinate, and that argument, right, which has torn us emotionally apart, whether to mask or not mask, whether to vote red or blue, the election, working from home, isolation, loneliness because of having to work from home or losing jobs because of COVID. Actually getting COVID. Yeah, that's, that's a real, actually happened to a few of us. That's right. Conversations about race. Yep. And is it systemic or not in our country? Is it embedded? Is it baked into our institutions? That's a live and heartrending and emotional question. So we've, can we just acknowledge we've been through a few things? It's okay to, to weep and grieve and wonder. <clears throat> what? What's that? We are divided as a nation. Yeah, and not just one fault line, but several. That's a good time to read then a text like Psalm 46. That's my text this morning. What does, uh, what does scripture say to us in such an incredibly uncertain time, such as what we're going through right now? I'm going to read the entire thing, and I'll walk us uh, briefly through each section. Psalm 46 from the NIV. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Though all created order is shaking apart, Though all the world feels like it's shaking apart, God's people will not fear because God is their refuge and strength. Verses 1 to 3. Let's go ahead and reread verses 1 to 3 again. I'm just going to walk through this text. This is a song of Zion, by the way. Uh, there's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. We did Psalm 23 back in what, May or something. That was a song of trust. Mindy led us through a lament just a couple of weeks back that was based on the biblical psalms of lament there are 50 or more of those in the book of psalms 
just like there today are all kinds of different songs or types of music today, there were types of different types of songs and music in the Old Testament. We have what? Rock and rap and ballads and jazz and classical today. And the same is true uh, then uh, with them. So a song of Zion is, there's a handful of these in the Psalms. And they celebrate God's presence with his people. Celebrate God's special presence with his people. Okay, so let's go ahead and reread verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, <clears throat> and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Let me ask you, why does it look like the audience might be afraid? What's going on here? What do you see? Yeah, please, what was? They are, what's, what's making them possibly afraid though? What's happening? Okay, it looks like an earthquake, right? It feels like a tsunami. It feels like there's a quake underneath the, the ocean and there's a surging of the sea and the mountains are, the, the land is crumbling and the mountains are falling apart, right? Into the surging of the sea feels like a tsunami is hitting and then we're in the middle of it, right? Okay, so what does this text say about God? Peggy, now go ahead. Who says he is what for them? Their refuge and strength, right? Their refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Since that is the case, what don't his people have to do? Or B, they don't have to be afraid. The assumption is that God is bigger than the boogeyman. The assumption is God is bigger than, you know the VeggieTales? I, I digress. That God is bigger than the tsunami. If you're weighing strength and power, God is stronger. There is no, there is no competition. And therefore... His people are safe because he is a refuge and strength. And they don't have to fear. See the logic of the passage. So the whole world feels like it's falling apart, but God is a refuge and strength, and therefore they need not fear. But what about if there's an army? Now I understand about tsunamis and creation. But what if somebody's knocking on your front door? And they have guns. In fact, a whole army is knocking at your door. They have spears, weapons, swords, and say, we want to, hello, good morning. We've come to kill you. What then? Maybe then God is out of his league. Maybe again, he's outnumbered. Maybe his protection is not enough. And he's too weak. Maybe. Could be. Let's reread verses 4 to 7. What does Scripture say? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. 
God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Here we are introduced to the city of God, which is, of course, which city in the Old Testament? Jerusalem, right? But what makes Jerusalem so special to be called the city of God? What is there in the Old Testament? The ark in the, in the temple. So Jerusalem is special because the temple is there. But who dwells in the temple? God. God in his saving special presence. That's what makes Jerusalem special. God's presence. It is, of course, true that God is everywhere present in a general way and sees all and nothing is hidden from his sight. Indeed. And yet God is here in a special saving way with his chosen people. Indeed, God's special presence here, verse 4, is depicted as a river that gladdens the city of God. This rich symbol of river cannot, is not a literal river because if you know anything about any geography about Jerusalem, there's not a single river in Jerusalem. So by context, it must simply be who is the river? God is the river. And this river is an ever-flowing, living renewing source of human flourishing, unlike the destructive chaos waters of the previous verses. And wherever that river goes, it brings life and healing and refreshment and healing and protection and provision. God is not dead. God is not dead. He is the living God. And he himself says about himself that he is an all-satisfying, self-replenishing, ever-expanding, overflowing river of life. Hmm. And in his presence, God's people are safe. Even when there are raging nations, and this happened several times in the Old Testament, with the Assyrians knocking on the door in the, about 700 B.C., saying, we've come to kill you. We're going to take over your city. Or the Syrians, or the Edomites, or the Moabites. Protection against even the raging nations and the kingdoms of this world that hate God and rage against his people. God says, I lift my voice, the nations fall, and the earth melts. All right. 
So say the Assyrians did come up against God and God said, I'm stronger than they are. God can take on a nation and win. No competition. By the way, how does a river, how can a river provide pr protection, by the way? We, we can think of this. Boundary. Think of the Mississippi River. If you don't have an airplane or a boat. Just, just a thought. But what if the whole world is against God? Every single nation, with all of their armies, and their nuclear weapons, and their jet aircraft, and their aircraft carriers, and their arsenals of stocks of weapons, and their CIAs, and their FBIs, and their KGBs. Maybe then is God might be outclassed. Maybe then God might be outnumbered. Maybe then God might be outwitted and is too weak to protect his people. What do you think? Could be. Nope. Verses 8 to 11. This is an anticipatory glimpse of the end. In those climactic last days of history. Were the nations of the world at the end who refused to repent and believe and bow the knee to Jesus Christ will find themselves on the wrong side of the battle. Come and see, verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the what? Nations. I will be exalted in Israel? The earth. The Lord Almighty, verse 11, is with us. Even on that day, the God of Jacob is our fortress. All evil will be swept away in the tsunami of his holiness. His river will overflow the banks of the earth and rid the world of evil forever. And sin and death, life will swallow death forever. The river of life will swallow death forever. We will be with him, enjoying and being ravished by his presence forever. Yes, the river will overflow the banks of the earth, and the earth will be covered with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11, verse 9. The special presence of God that was with Israel in the temple, in the Old Testament, in Jerusalem will overflow and fill the entire earth in the renewed world, and we will enjoy his perfect saving presence and his provision and his protection. I love this word. Forever. What's our job? 
Verse 10. Be the creature, not the creator. Be still and know that he is God. Trust him. Put your hope in him. Be still by faith and know him as God Almighty. The river that gladdens the city of God. Rampark, this is my application, I suppose. The Lord is with us. We've been through a lot. His special saving presence is with us. He's going to be our refuge and our strength. He promises that. He's going to provide and protect. He promises that too. Be still and know that he is God. I've preached this message for all of us, but I also wish to just share a few words, especially with the Smith family, with Britt and Michelle and with their boys, Eli, Caleb, and Jonah, as we celebrate their family today. So Eli, Caleb, Jonah, Michelle and Britton, this is for you. The Lord is with you. I love you guys. Psalm 46 says he has been with you in the past. And he's with you now. And he'll be with you in the future. He pledges to be your refuge and strength. And to be an ever-present help. With several uncertainties in your present and in your future, he does promise, nevertheless, to provide and to be with you, to gladden you with his gentle, flowing streams of his presence, to renew and heal and refresh. Some of his plans, no doubt, are going to take a little while to unfold. But know that God promises to be with you. Psalm 46 says so. Amen. Father, you are our refuge and strength. And we love you. Thank you for your word. Help us to be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. as I said already, we're going to celebrate and honor Britton and Michelle and their family uh, today for their 12 years of very special ministry among us. And part of how we're going to do that is that we're going to open up the mic and let you come up and share. Share words of encouragement, 
share words of appreciation. Maybe share a wholesome, funny story or two. Emphasis on wholesome. And if you do decide to come up, that you keep it short. I'll be up here to kind of monitor. Uh, I know I'll start to aimlessly wander. I'll tap you on the shoulder. But we would warmly welcome you to come and just share your appreciation. Praise God for Britton and Michelle's ministry among us for 12 years. We've had so many special times with them, so many memories through thick and thin. So would you come? And we'll just kind of go until we feel like we're done. And then I'll come back up and we have uh, a few other things that we're going to do. Okay? All right. Brother? Lord gave me something to say, so I wrote it down so I can say it. A message to Britton and Michelle. There you are. Britton and Michelle, your ministry here has changed many lives. It has been an investment in eternity. Your teaching on having an intimate walk with Jesus has revolutionized my life and made my retirement years the best year of my life best years of my life. Your teaching on being everyday disciples has helped me keep my focus and intensity in witnessing. Your teaching from Hebrews 5 and 6 on milk and solid food has reinforced in me the conviction of my need to feed on the written word of God in order to become more like Jesus, who is the living word. My life was changed, and so were many other lives. I know because I work one-on-one -on -one with people, and I've seen the changes in people's lives that have come because of your ministry. So, don't ever again say, I was wasting my time back there. You weren't wasting your time. You were investing it in people's lives, and only eternity will show the results. One other thing I want to tell you, tell both of you, God will redeem in your family the effects and results of that time. Those 12 years, I can say this from experience, we also poured ourselves into ministry for many years. From the time our children were born until they were from middle school to college ages, our family suffered from an overemphasis on ministry. God has restored and redeemed that. Now our children are in their 40s and 50s, and they have fond memories of those years. They now ask us, how can we give our children, that's our grandchildren, the kind of experiences we had when we were growing up? Your kids are gonna remember running around here with Stacy and Patrick's kids, and they're gonna remember these years and say, those were some of the best years of our lives. Yeah, that's what happened with our kids. We already mentioned it this morning. God is in the business of redeeming, and he will redeem what has been happening in your life. Not, your kids have not been scarred for life. They've been blessed for life.
So, Britton, we've known you since you were like 12 years old preaching at Rich Point. <laughs> and in 2015, like, you radically changed our lives, and you know that. We've shared the story with you so many times. So, we just thank you, man, for your, just, like, your commitment, uh, your love for the word, your love for truth, your love for the body of Christ. And uh, we are super stoked to see what God's going to do with you uh, and your family. And uh, it's going to be an exciting journey, man. And just be encouraged, dude. It's, it's going to be a trip. Um, I can speak from experience. <laughs> um, there's been so many things in our lives that God has used uh, you for um, that has brought us more joy and more peace and, and more understanding of what being a Christian actually is supposed to be than I could even express to you right now. I mean, I wish I could, or I'd probably just, like, break down here on the floor. Um, but, dude, this was just 12 years of a very, very long journey that you're going to be on. And uh, it's going to be epic, man. Thanks. morning. So I knew that this was going to be a little bit of a, a tough morning for some of us. Um, our hearts are filled with a lot of things. And even though I tried to write some of it down, I just left it at the seat. Um, we came here about, we came in around nine years ago. I actually was in a treatment program at the time and I didn't want to return to the church that I came out of. But I, I didn't have to be here long to realize that I'd found a new home. And um, even though things looked a lot different than my religious background, they're drinking coffee in the sanctuary. We had barefoot people up on, on the worship team. And we'd see our excited pastor over here jumping up and down every Sunday morning during worship because his expectation was high that God would be here. And I just want to say that you're, you guys pouring your life into us, it is not wasted. It has not been wasted on us. And the seeds that have been planted, God is going to watch out for those seeds. And he's going to continue to grow us up. And whoever comes here with their hearts open and their expectations high, you won't be disappointed. If even two or three gather in the name of Jesus, God is going to be there. And he will work with whoever comes to minister to all the needs. And I also just want to say, I feel like Britain was never trying to get us to be dependent on him. If anything, he's been preparing us for years for something he didn't even know was coming, this whole COVID deal. And now, you know, this where they're, they're going to step back for a while or, you know, whatever God's going to do in their life. But he's been telling us from the beginning that we needed to learn how to feed ourselves and to take care of each other. So we're here for such a time as this. I believe that all of the gifts of the body are present under this roof, even if there's just a few of us. If we come together with our, our hopes lifted high, we won't be disappointed. God is going to take care of Britton, Michelle, and their beautiful children. And I just wish that I could fully express to you the depth of my gratitude and how much we love you. So just know that you have our blessing. And whatever you do and wherever God leads you, we're all still with you, okay? We love you so much. Thank you for everything.
seem to be jumping ahead in a lot of areas. I, I'm kind of going to piggyback on her. Um, when uh, when we first came, and I've shared this with you, Britton, um, we were so broken. I was so broken. And the only thing I could do is um, be anonymous. That's what I wanted. And the, the cruel thing was um, I, nev I, didn't, I didn't really want to get to know you because I didn't want to have your person in my head, and I didn't want to worship you. And um, God was so good at bringing us here and giving me an opportunity to just, um, to just, I remember the first time I heard you preach, and it was at Lakeshore Vineyard, and you said, get be, you know, Lord, put me behind the cross. Let them see the cross. And that really stuck with me. And, um, and when I came here, that's what it was. It wasn't, I wasn't seeing Britain. I was seeing the Lord. And I just, um, I do love you, and I do know you a little bit now. But the, the thing that I loved so much about coming to Marianne was that it wasn't about Britain. It was about the Lord and us seeking the Lord. And um, there was just nothing, nothing I needed more than the presence of the Lord. And you, you from the leadership, from the top down, made that, made this a safe and healing place. So thank you. I grew up in church since I was a baby and called to preach at the age of 15, went to Bible college, got married, and I was very much ministry-centered above my family, and I lost my first wife. Twelve years later, I got married again. I thought, now I've got it figured out. Now I've got it all together. And she left. So I was pretty broken when I came here. But I came here right after that. And through it all, I stayed in church, was very committed to Christ. And I sat right there for, I don't know, two or three years, didn't say hi to anybody. <laughs> but that was okay. They let me do that. And, but my first Sunday here, I was attending another church. I went to breakfast over at the, at the, with mission or whatever, not the mission, but over at Western Theological Seminary, they had breakfast there. I was with a friend, and, and one of his friends came up to him, and he said uh, to my other friend, he said, hey, you going to go to church with us today? And I, uh, I said, oh, where are you going? Where are you going? He said, oh, we're going to go to Moran Park. I said, I've been thinking about visiting that church. So I, I said, yeah, I'll go with you guys. And they were all shocked because I was faithful to my other church. 
And uh, the Sunday that I came, Britton got up and he said, I've been in ministry for eight years. And he said, my wife and I were talking about spiritual gifts. And she said some things that um, I could tell you what she said. But, uh-oh, i got to interject something. The Lord had been talking to me about inviting my wife to participate. Because I was like gung-ho. It's like, hey, this is ministry. This is what we got to do. And it's, you know, this is too much. It's like, yes, but this is what God wants. And go, 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 go. And the Lord had been impressing on me, invite her to participate. Invite her to participate. Don't be telling her what to do, but invite her to participate to my wife. So Britton gets up this first Sunday. And he says, my wife and I have been talking about spiritual gifts. And this blew my mind, what he said next. He said, and I invited her to come up here today. And that's been his ministry. That's been his spirit. Is not, you need to get right with God. You need to do, because I came from, from some pretty hard preaching, some pretty hard churches. But he wept for us, in front of us. And he gave the spirit of invitation. And I learned, I read a book, uh, it's called uh, Shepherd of the Hills, about a man who goes out to the Ozarks. And he, and, and under Britain's ministry, it blew my mind when I read that, because what it said at the end, um, he was kind of a mysterious guy, came out of nowhere, but he said, I always had an intellectual understanding of my faith in God. But it was in the Ozarks that I learned what it was to know the Holy Spirit. And it was under Britain's ministry that I learned what it meant to know the Holy Spirit. And so, since then, I've grown in my faith. And I, I, I really I feel that if I had not made it to this church, at that time, I was pretty much done. I was done with church. I wasn't going to go anymore. But I saw a man who knew God and walked with God and shared what it meant to walk in the Spirit, to know the Holy Spirit. And so, Britton, thank you so much. Daniel. Um, so the theme has been that a lot of us come here very screwed up. <laughs> Jody, Peggy, Sean, me. Kelly raises her hand. Um, just the, the quick background was I came here seven years ago, almost eight years ago, and I was so anxious that I, I couldn't pray. Um, my, my image of who God was was just messed up. And I wanted to connect. My greatest prayer was I want peace and joy in the place of prayer so bad. And then I get hired on staff at Moran, and I'm around you, Britton, who before every stinking thing is like, well, we should probably pray about it. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to pray about it, man, you know. And just time after time after time, of pressing into God's presence and of seeking his thoughts and not our own, I think that God expedited my healing 
in that process. And I don't know if that's a fair way to think about the way that God works, whether it would have happened a different way and the healing would have been slower. But I wonder if, I wonder if that's the case. And I'll claim it for the rest of my life just because of how you love God's voice and have modeled for us pursuing his thoughts over our own. So thank you. And I do have peace and joy in God's presence now. And you are a huge part of restoring, God restoring that in my life. Thank you. Well, Britt, I just want to say thanks for all these years. I just remember those uh, early days and doing coffee with you. And I don't know, I think I was brand new Christian at that point, maybe a couple months. And uh, you just allowed me to listen to the word and speak of what I heard, um, even though I was a brand new Chris Christian, and I really appreciate it. So never forget those times for sure. Oh, there you are. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about grief and a little bit about um, listening to the spirit. A little over two years ago, I was in a car accident with my husband, and my husband was killed instantly. And uh, we had been coming to Moran Park for a short time, I think somewhere under two years. Uh, we came here by the invitation of my sister, and uh, and when we came here, I thought this was such a, what a weird place. I, it, like she said, they're in barefoot. They're climbing over the pews. They're drinking coffee. They're in the pews. I don't know. Okay. And there was not a big greeter program or a big this program or a big that program. It was just being led by the Spirit. And we were led here. My husband really loved the place. Um, he wanted to get to know people right away. Um, but he was killed. And we met with Britain, and I have such few memories of it because I had a concussion, and their concussion mixed with grief just takes away your brain. And there were, I remember him asking, what was your husband's favorite verse? And ugh, I don't know, he, he was in Revelation a lot. And so I just threw that on Britain, and he must have prayed and knew exactly what to preach about at my husband's memorial service because it was perfect. I can't even remember what you said. I just remember the feeling of, wow, Dave would be so amazed and so touched by your words and what, what you said. The other thing um, is how you, how you came to touch my heart personally. It's not just about preaching and hearing of the spirit, but it's the personal touch. You called me, I'm not even sure how often, it started out often, maybe it was once a week, maybe, and then it moved to once a month, but those phone calls of just knowing my pastor cares and he's checking on me makes a difference. And he called on the anniversary of the accident and the second anniversary of the accident, which meant a lot. He also challenged me a little bit, which. I thought was great because there was another woman in our congregation who lost her husband as well and he called me and I, it had only been six months, five months I think after I'd lost my husband and he said can you reach out to her and I said absolutely and that started a ball rolling of healing for both of us that I'm so glad you did that that's what you need to do 
And so I just want to thank you because um, you've made a difference in my life. And I know my husband, he's like, yeah, Britain. I don't know Britain as well as I would have liked to, but we've laughed together. Is that better? Can you, can you hear me now? <laughs> I didn't know Britain really well, but what I do know, we've laughed together, we've cried together, we've prayed together. And I just want to thank you because you saw my heart, not, not past that. But I also want to encourage you, when you hear the music, keep on dancing. <laughs> time and um, when my husband and I got married he grew up in a different church not a Catholic church I'm nothing against Catholic but it's all good and we were looking for a church to go to that we both could um, just worship together and I had a list of some churches like five of them and we came here and we didn't go anywhere else and my husband who grew up Catholic was standing next to me singing and he's barefoot sometimes and He's drinking coffee at church, and I just love that. And when people say, what church do you go to, and I say Moran Park Church, um, what I usually say is, anybody can come, and everyone is welcome. When you go to have communion, you're all welcome. If you decide that you have Jesus in your heart, you are welcome. And that's what I got from this church. Um, I like you as a friend. I knew you before here. When you would stop in where my, I worked and everything um, to see other people. And I love how when you preach, it's just a regular guy talking about regular stuff, but bringing the word in. I love when you cry, when you're so touched. Um, that touches me. Um, I'm sad that you're not going to be here. Um, it is the reason we came here and stayed. I don't know what we will do. Um, this has been a really good church for us. We have not been to church for two years, Martin and I, and um, it feels very odd to be back. Um, and wherever you go, I'm sure it'll be awesome because you're an awesome person. You have a good message, you have a good gift in sharing the message. Hi, family. So there's a handful of us that were here before Britain. And um, that's kind of interesting in a way, you know. I remember the first time somebody said, well, you know, um, we, we'd like to have Britain come be our pastor. And I, I kind of like went, no way, that ain't going to happen. But I'm glad it did. Um, but I want to I wanna say one in, well, two important things. Number one, I saw a man who saw God in his face before God, not putting any of his own thoughts first, but being like Jesus is when he says, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to. That is huge. And then the second thing that Britt wanted to get over to us, and I think a lot of us have gone there, is who's the pastor? And it's not that one person that's standing in front 
we are all called to be pastors of someone. Our spiritual life is to be part of the church. And the church is not a building. The church is wherever Christians gather. And he hammered that and hammered that. And I love it that he did because some of us needed that hammered in. So thank you, Britt. Thank you for all the teaching. Thank you for all those fun things we did together. I love it. We'll call this one as the last one. I, I'll try and speak on your behalf. Um, I'm going to cry already. It's okay. I love you. Um, I know that uh, what Charles said, I was one of the people that were here before you, right? When he came in, you invited Pat and I before we were called elders to be like a little prayer team. And uh, I still remember those moments and the brokenness we all processed through. Um, but the message you sent, you've heard over and over, that this, this is an all play. Um, being a Christ follower and uh, doing church is for all, for all of us. It's not a leadership thing. It's not a top-down thing. Um, God's spirit is offered to us all. So thank you for that. And Michelle, thank you. So thank you. Appreciate it. Britton, would you come and share a few words with us? And uh, Joy, would you come up as well at the same time? So many of uh, us couldn't be here today, so there's a special gift from uh, us to you, Britton. Joy, would you care to share about that? Um, yeah, first I just want to say um, my life's been impacted so greatly by Britt and Michelle. Um, you champion dreams, you both do, and I think that that was evident in everybody sharing. Um, the gifts of this body have been championed by the two of you guys, um, and that's why we're going to go forward and the Lord's going to carry us, because we all know that we have gifts that the Lord's given us. Um, you reminded me since my sophomore year of college that I heard the voice of the Lord every single week. I came back and questioned, and you continued to say, you hear the voice of the Lord, you hear the voice of the Lord, you hear the voice of the Lord. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. Your family has impacted my life in ways that I can't even explain. Um, this is a book filled with beautiful pictures and notes from all of us. Um, it is truly incredible. I cried reading through it. And I hope that it is a gift to you as you leave and a reminder to you guys the great impact and the love that you've held for all of us at Maine. Thank you. Well, I will cry reading this, no doubt. Oh, well, here we are, right? Um, it's hard to believe that 12 years together today is, is coming to an end, at least in a formal capacity, right? And um, 
I'm still a little bit surprised because I, I thought I would continue to be part of this journey of figuring out together what it means to move from being like a business to being a family and, and really pressing into being family. But as I said a couple weeks ago, during my time away, really focusing on my family, the Lord said, uh, if you're going to invite other people to be family, you, you got to get your own family in a healthy spot, and it's not. And so the Lord, I praise God, spoke clearly. And, and I've had a few of you even ask, okay, you know, since you made the announcement a couple weeks ago, any, any update on where you're going? And the Lord has still said nothing. He should still wait. So if he says anything to you, you can let me know. That would be, be pretty cool. Because um, you do hear the voice of the Lord. You know, it, it's interesting what to share as a goodbye. I think I want to say today a goodbye and, and a thank you. As uh, Michelle and my family and myself, we have poured ourselves out for you. And it's been a gift to do so. It's been a gift to pour our lives out for you for the sake of the gospel together. Knowing that it has borne much fruit. And I praise God for that fruit that we have seen and the stuff that we, we haven't seen and the stuff that we stand before the Lord. I hope that he, he lets me know some of those things too. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the Apostle Paul. Paul would go into a place, he'd start a church, and he'd take off, he'd trust in the Holy Spirit, and then he'd leave, and he'd write these letters back. And he'd write letters because he wanted to correct things, but a lot of times he's writing letters because he just loved them so much. And I'm reading Paul's letters this week, and I'm like oh, weeping. I'm like, oh my gosh, I understand, I understand. And so I want to read just a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 1, and this is my heart and my prayer for you, Moran Park. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership, Moran Park, in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I have lots I want to thank you for, but ultimately I want to thank the Lord for you. I praise God and I thank God for the opportunity to be with you for 12 years. Through the ups, through the downs, through the good times, through the rough times, it's been a joy to be with you. As Paul also says, it's because I've gotten the privilege to participate as being a partner of the gospel with you. I've watched you grow in an understanding of the gospel making about Jesus. I've watched you grow in living out the gospel, even with me, as you've extended radical grace as I've made uh, my fair share of mistakes over the years. It's been a gift, and I praise God for the opportunity to partner with you in the gospel, where we've seen the gospel advance in people coming to know the Lord. We've seen the gospel advance in radical uh, salvations, yes, but healing, deliverance. We've seen God do works of restoring marriages and relationships. We've seen God do the miraculous work of calling people into radical obedience. We've seen the Lord do miraculous things, and it's been a gift that I've gotten to partner with you. And what brings me more joy than me getting to participate in it myself is what has brought me much joy is getting to see you participate in that work too. And I know that the work that he has begun here, and he has begun a work, don't get, don't get that wrong, he's begun a great work. He will see it to completion. And if it is true that I am not the head of this church, but Jesus is, then we do not need to fear because we go forth knowing that the Lord is with you, Moran Park. And what he has called you to doesn't just stop because all of a sudden I'm not around in this capacity to participate in it with you. So I say thanks. I say thanks to you, and I say thanks to the Lord. I want to leave you with just a quick encouragement 
three things that I think I want to encourage you and the things that the Lord has begun to keep pressing into. And the first one is that the Lord speaks to you and that you would continue to be a people that listens to him step by step, only doing what the Lord says, when to do it, how he says to do it, even if it seems foolish and silly that you would walk in boldness and take the step when he says to do it. Trusting that when you take that step, he'll give you the next step. Secondly, that you would continue to be a people as you have been, that root yourself in the word, that you look to the word of God as your standard by which you measure what you do and what you do not do as individuals and as the body of Christ, that we do not look to tradition, we do not look to preferences, we do not look to comfort, but we look to the word of God as you have been. And lastly, I've seen you grow an incredible love for one another, growing in an understanding of what it means to be family together, and I pray that you would continue as you grow in a deepening and an understanding of God's love for you, that that would flow to one another and that you would grow in a love for one another as I've already seen that that would continue that work. And I look forward to that day as we continue to cross paths and, and if not, that we stand before the Lord when the new heavens and the new earth come and we celebrate all the amazing things that the Lord has done as we've been partnering for the gospel together near and as we've been partnering for the gospel from afar. It's been a gift and it's been a joy. It's been such a gift. For 12 years, I thought I, thought I would vomit this and fail after a year. So it's shocking to me that it's 12 years later and I'm still here. I praise God that he would even give me this opportunity and this gift for 12 years of my life. It has been difficult and it has been costly, but it doesn't negate the joys and the gift that you have been to us and my family. So I praise God for you, and I will continue to, as the Lord brings you to mind, which he will, I will continue to praise God for you with great joy. Thank you. I want to invite my family up. Um, because the elders are going to pray for us, but we want to pray for you and bless you as a family. We want to praise God for what he has done, and we also want to bless you in these days to come. Uh, let's pray. God, when words are tough today, we just say thank you. We say thank you for the gift of these people, God. We thank you for those that have been here for a long time and those who have not been here long at all. We thank you, God, for drawing us together, God. We thank you for bringing us a bunch of ragtag, tag, messed up, broken, screwed up people together, God who've grown in a deepening understanding of the radical grace that is available to us through the blood of Christ. I thank you, God, for the way that you continue to lavish us extravagantly with your love, O oh God. The way that you've grown us in an understanding of what it means to live into our identities as sons and daughters. For the ways, God, that you've equipped us with your Holy Spirit. I say thank you, God. I thank you for the ways that I personally and my family has grown and matured through, through these great, the graciousness of these folks here, God who've walked with us, who've loved us, who's cared for us and supported us in these years. So I say thank you. God, I thank you for the fond memories as I look back here, the radical things that you've done, the, the big things and the small things, the way that you've been in. I say thank you, God. And as we continue to reflect on these past 12 years together in the days that come, God, I pray that you would continue to bring specific things to mind that we can praise you for. We thank you. God, I thank you for these people.
I just want to pray the end of Ephesians 3 over you as a blessing, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how, high, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite the elders to come forward with their wives, their spouses. Carol, her husband. pray. Father in heaven, thank you for these 12 sweet years with Britton, Michelle, and the boys. Thank you for the love, the joy, and the growth of these years. Thank you for the vision and the commitment to this community. Thank you for the heart and the challenge to reach beyond these walls so that everyone in Holland and beyond has a chance to hear the gospel and the chance to be a part of a spiritual family. We don't know the future you have for them, Father, but we know that you are a good shepherd who goes ahead to prepare the way for the sheep. Let them experience your guidance and provision in these days. Strengthen Britain as he loves and leads his family and Michelle as she helps, supports, and nourishes them all. Allow them to find in you all they need and to find in each other the comfort and courage you gave them from the beginning. And we will give you glory for it. And now I commit Britton, Michelle, Eli, Caleb, and Jonah to you, God, and to the message of your grace, which is able to build them up and to give them an inheritance among all who are sanctified. And may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. With the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip them with all that is good to do his will, working in them and us what is pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ. Glory belongs to him forever and ever. 